0: I would have liked to meet Isaac Saldana, our guest on Creative Innovators today, earlier in life. This is Gigi Johnson, your host of Creative Innovators, and he has been able to really create a whole new area of business repeatedly and create a whole experimentation process on how to create new businesses by asking other people for advice and being humble about it, two areas that sometimes don't come together with our creative innovators necessarily he created SendGrid, grew it brought in several ceos above him to help grow it took the company public put together a whole nother company to build other companies got an mba after all of that and now is creating memo which is starting with its first customers and he'll talk about that in the show enjoy our conversation with isaac excited to have you on here um this show has been on this is our third season and we've had all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life and a lot of people have found their own way and some people have been given away and it sounds like you have largely found your own way and built interesting spaces where spaces didn't necessarily exist can i have you start us out and talk about what you're doing now before I drag you back into history.
1: Well, first, thank you for having me here. Um, And currently I'm the CEO of a company called Memo. Memo is about 15 people. We've been working um, at it for about three years and we're about to launch uh, with 200 people in about a month from now. Cool. And where are
0: you guys located?
1: Uh, We're remote. So we have uh, the 15, 15 employees are all over the world.
0: And where are you?
1: I'm in Southern California, Irvine specifically.
0: <laughs> Irvine, excellent. Uh, I'm an Orange County kid from high school, so that's an a, a overall territory that I'm used to. Other people go, Irvine, have I heard of Irvine? Other than the mascot at the nearby school is the Anteaters, but uh, I think it's still the Anteaters. Yeah, so you you are so memo is a few years old, and you've got a couple stretches of building things. Did you start out in Southern California? What's your kind of starting point?
1: Um, so I was born in the U.S., and um, when I was around five, we went to Mexico uh, to live there, and so I came back when I was 14. Um, I went to High school in Indio, California. Um, I then went to uh, UC Riverside um, here in Southern California and moved back to the uh, Palm Springs area where Indio is. And um, the last business I started was in 2008, uh, prior to Memo. Uh, the name of it was Sangrip. And uh, I started it in the Palm Springs area and then moved to Colorado, um, to Boulder, Colorado, to uh, continue it there uh, to join a program called Techstars.
0: So when you were 14 and came to Indio, California, where I have relatives, and came to Indio, California, what did you want to be? Were you the type of guy who was taking apart computers or breaking things? Were you the one who was organizing other kids? Were you somebody who was trying 25 things at once, trying to figure stuff out? What, what was your kind of passion points?
1: So when I got here, I did not know how to speak English. And so that was my main thing. It's like, I want to be able to communicate with people. Um, I was good with, I was good in school. I like math. Um, but I, I wasn't, I, I played baseball, but I wasn't particularly interested in, in anything. In fact, um, my, I went to my counselor my senior year trying to figure out what I wanted to do because it was time to go to college. And uh, she recommended to go she asked me a few questions and I I, I told her I like math and she said, well you should go into engineering what kind of school are you <laughs> interested in And I'm like well UC Riverside is the closest one And then she said maybe you should go into computers that's a thing right now and so I wanted to do computer engineering. UC Riverside did not have computer engineering so it only had computer science so I picked whatever had computer in it and ended up majoring in computer science.
0: It is amazing how we make left and right turns in life, right? Here, look, oh, you're good at math. You should do engineering, Um, which I find lots of young people. You're good at math and science. You should do engineering. And then that sets them on their way, right? So you see Riverside after having had a multicultural upbringing. What was that like? And did that study match? What made you happy?
1: Um, I, I, my first quarter, so they go by, by quarters, they don't go by semesters. I, I was used to getting A's in high school. I did, I did relatively good in high school and I ended up getting a B minus and I tried so hard for that class. Um, I ended up getting lower grades after, but it was just my first time getting a, a a B minus in in college on a computer science class and it made me realize how hard it was. And so I didn't like it then, but because I got a B minus, I started looking into a lot of books um, in between quarters um, and somehow just became so passionate about to the point that now... I don't get to code anymore, but when I have some free time, I try I code because it's I, I just feel um, that I can get in, in into, into flow, into the flow state. That's how much I like it. And so it fundamentally makes me happy to code. Um, I wish I could code more, but I'm just not um, that good to code.
0: <laughs> so have you ever gone back to talk to that high school counselor? No, I have not. <laughs> you should.
1: Yeah, hey, I should. You no, know,
0: you recommended that I do this. So yeah. you were doing a double major in electrical engineering and computer science, if I understand the path correctly. And then life comes about. You graduate and then what what stares you in the face and You know, did you again, you've been an entrepreneur, you've been a coder. Um, Did you have an entrepreneurial bent when you were in school? Did anything beckon to you that sort of screamed entrepreneurship or risk taking or anything like that when you were in school?
1: No. So up to that point, uh, my family had always recommended to get a, a stable job and and go to school to get that stable job. And one of my friends, his name is Elmer Thomas. He introduced me to a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, and for whatever reason, that book just helped me think differently. Um, and, and it wasn't just about this notion of studying hard, getting good grades so that I could get a stable job. Mm-hmm. I... I, I somehow life changed in, in the sense of how I thought about things. And um, I, literally like the week after I, I started my first business with, with Elmer. Uh, so
0: so, so, for those who haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and if you haven't read it, please read it, give it to a friend. Um, uh, I tend to think of it as the two by two box that you can be an employee you can then be a manager, but wealth really comes from owning a business um, and or owning a bunch of assets and businesses. And so um, we do spend, and I say this as weeks, I'm just coming off of 22 years of teaching at UCLA, we do tend to talk a story of get a job, right, to get a, a, a do employment. And there's quite a few uh, young people, especially who who are first-generation college, who I've worked with who once they get that story of rich dad, poor dad suddenly go, wait, 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 I've been sold a different story coming up into here. Right. Um, I've been told to get, go to college and get a good job and work for a company. So you started your first job, your first company with Elmer. What was the first company? Uh, The, the first company.
1: So this is back in 2003. uh, And we were developers. Uh, We also, this was before the cloud existed, so you still had to rent uh, machines and put them in a data, data center, And so we noticed that. And so we um, – at that time, y- y- when you had a website, um, it was usually a five-page static website, and each page costs on average about $1,000. So if you – usually the average website had five pages, so you would pay about $5,000 Um We wanted to do essentially what WordPress was, where we would develop the websites for free through code and charge um, users $10 a month. Um, And so uh, I can talk about the challenges that we found there, but uh, needless to say, it, it didn't
0: work out. So this is what you did when you got out of college or this is while you're still in college that you had this great idea?
1: Um, this is right after college. So I was the systems administrator for the electrical engineering department, um, and uh, I, I was looking to move on. And, and so I moved on and uh, had this business and also had a job. So I, I, um, I didn't go at it full time, um, didn't have resources to do that.
0: So um gosh, how to say this. Was Elmer the right partner? Um, yeah. Yeah. Since it, Elmer's gonna listen to this possibly. Y-
1: y- yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I still talk to Elmer. Uh, Elmer just was a huge influence in my life and for multiple reasons. One, first introducing me to Rich that Paul's dad. I wouldn't I wouldn't be creating business if he hadn't introduced me to that. But we created actually multiple businesses together and we learned together, and so we fell together, and because of those failures, uh, if I didn't have those failures, then I wouldn't have done Thred, uh, which was my my last company and so um, so
0: what was you guys' big learning from that fail?
1: Yeah, so we had multiple learnings so the the first business we learned that we uh, we needed a good idea. And the idea was pretty good. I think it was just too early. Um, and so we run out of money. And so we're like, okay, well, we need an investment. And so the next idea, we, um, we had a good idea. We had a good team. Um, and we raised money. And we failed. And one of the things that I realized after that was that um, sometimes entrepreneurs don't know even to ask the right questions. And so having mentors around can help entrepreneurs, especially the ones starting, just just ask what the right questions should be. And so we didn't know what we didn't know. And so this is kind of what, when we decided to apply uh, to Techstars um, for Sangred, which is uh, Techstars for the, the ones that don't know it's a, a mentor driven, uh, accelerator. And, and what was great about it is that it's not a template based, uh, mentorship where everyone gets the same mentorship. Uh, you connect with mentors based on what your needs are. And so we were able to connect with, with the ones that we needed.
0: So that teleported you guys to what Denver?
1: Uh, yeah, to Boulder.
0: To Boulder. Were yeah. you in the same group as Alex White?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. he was a next big sound. Yeah, so I was yeah. Uh, doing so great. I yeah. met
0: him the year after that when he had come out of TechStars and was trying to grow what then has become now a chunk of Pandora, and he's off yeah. doing other stuff. Yeah. Um. So, but you can come in and do all sorts of things. So, um, you can do music. You can do other things. You can be in various cohorts. What was your big learning from TechStars? Um. Well, the. the
1: it was it was that that we needed to be um, humble about what we knew and um, understand that we just didn't know everything and and we saw failure just like business as usual and that was just like learning as learning uh, experiences and and so um, reacting to those learnings uh, as fast as we could was uh, our mindset. And so, um, um, but I can, I mean, just the whole process um, uh, taught us many things like how to price uh, uh, a SaaS business, how to pitch a company, how to position well, let's
0: back up even a step. So not everyone knows what SendGrid is. What, what was the original idea? Was it the same idea? And how did you validate that there was a real need there? I know that with your current business, you're starting with your first 200. What was the proof of the pudding? And how did you, that get tested? I can tell you
1: what the name and the pitch was initially, and then what, what, what how it changed during Techstars. Um So, the name of the company was smtpapi.com. And it was a. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Submitted (laughs) pod. Oh, dear. And it was an email platform that would allow developers to filter out email, uh, receive emails on their application so they don't have to worry about all the logic. That was kind of how our pitch went. Uh, Obviously, no one remembered the pitch and couldn't pronounce um, our name. And we, in the pitch, um, um, how it changed, it was, uh, we changed the name to SendGrid. And so SendGrid, um, on, on average, 20% of emails sent by web applications either went missing or they were caught by spam filters. So SendGrid was a cloud-based service that allowed people to deliver the emails on their behalf, solve their email deliverability problems, and add other features like metrics Uh, And so on average, eBay made a study and found that if they didn't deliver 1% of their yearly email, they would lose $14 million. And now the average was 20. And so this was a big problem. We didn't know that. Uh, And so the way we validated it is is I was CTO of a company before starting. This is after uh, closing the companies that I had, that I started with Elmer. And prior to starting Sangrid, I worked um, as a CTO in in another company. And uh, when we were delivering emails as CTO, I saw that these emails were ending up in spam filters. And so, because I was a technical uh, person in the company, I had to solve the problem. And um, I tried a solution for months and the solution was terrible. And because it was terrible, I just became passionate about the problem. Um, And so when I had a decent solution uh, after this company, even I continue working after this company on that same problem, I went to a forum uh, and and asked people, is anyone having this problem? And to my surprise, uh, people were having this problem. And so much that someone was willing to pay for all of our servers uh, as long as we provided that solution. And so uh, that's how... Initially, we got started, and um,
0: what were the yeah. other ideas that you didn't move forward in? I mean, part of it were there kind of sexier problems that came up or you thought, ooh, that could be it, or this could be bigger or what were the the lures that were attracting you otherwise?:
1: Yeah, so we wanted to do all these features for the so the the three co-founders of for Grid were developers, and so we wanted to solve. A lot of cool developer problems, like when you would send an email, we wanted to have apps that would put their content there. Like if if people were sending real estate email through SendGrid, we would put an app where you could have like the latest MLS properties or if you wanted to put ads or if you wanted to put some AI stuff on the content of the email, uh, we would just people would connect apps. And so we wanted to build that so much, but we didn't because we found uh, a pain point on email deliverability. And in this problem of 20% on average for every company, th- their email going missing was was a, a big missed opportunity.
0: And sometimes the cleaning up part um, is more profitable than the sexy new revenue part where there might be more competition.
1: Yeah, and so one of the things that that we got lucky with at Singrid was that it wasn't just a technology company. A lot of it was support because sometimes we needed to contact Gmail. Sometimes we needed to contact all these providers and develop relationships with them. It's something that companies just can, couldn't afford to do. So having the combination of technology and support for us was uh, uh, a big lucky break.
0: And let's take a quick break. Have you found season two's episodes of Creative Innovators or the long seasons that we've had innovating music going back five years? We have lots of change agents, so please step sideways And enjoy our prior episodes. You can find them at Creative Innovators Podcast or wherever you consume your favorite podcasts. Innovating Music, you can find it on all the major podcatchers. And now back to the show. So meanwhile, you had parents who were going, you know, Isaac, we really wanted you to have a big company safe job. What did they think of your spelunking through and trying different startups and trying to build things? Well, I I had this
1: advantage that at, at, at that point, computer science was not too uh, – it's not that it's mainstream, but it's, it wasn't as – uh, visible as it is now, not that it's very visible, but it's more visible now than before. And so, not many people understood what I did. They just understood that I um, did something with computers to the point where, like, if they had
0: a virus on their computer, they would call me, even though I did just basically help me it. <laughs> with my computer. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm not sure most parents understand what in blue blazes their kids do. So, I think that. <laughs> And most kids don't understand what their parents do either. So (laughs) Um, so at some point in time here, you went and got your MBA at MIT, if I'm understanding the journey right. Um, Why? When? And that's not a cheap price tag. How did that fit into your decision process? Um, Actually, my MBA
1: was after we went public.
0: Oh, uh, ah, okay. Oh, that's so, even more interesting to me. Sorry, as I hit yeah. the mic. That's even more interesting to yeah. me as yeah. to why then to do that. We'll come back to that then. So mm-hmm. um, you went on the journey then of taking um, SendGrid uh, from a small startup going through Techstars. How big did you guys get before you IPO'd?
1: Uh, we were about 500 people and about $100 million in
0: yearly revenue. So you went through lots of shifting sands of scalability, fund needs, doing rounds of money um who was the superpower for the growth side of this? Did you build that shell around yourselves and with your team? Did you add people on? Was that a superpower you found you had uh how did growth how did growth wear for you
1: yeah i I think the superpower that we had was that um humility was one of our values and and in fact it's one of our values at memo and um early on I so I was CEO of the company for the first uh 3 years and in 2011 we brought in a CEO in fact I was very transparent to the board and I told the board you know what board I need a COO um because I don't know what I'm doing um, and and the board was supportive and they understood and I was connecting with multiple COOs. But one of the things that I noticed was that COO and CEO is kind of close. And so many COOs that were experienced, the the ones that I was looking for probably did not want to work for an, an, an experienced CEO. And, and so I, I saw that. And so two years in, Uh, we swapped the role from COO to CEO and oh my gosh, we've got great candidates. (laughs) And, um, in 2011, we brought in, um, a CEO, his name's Jim Franklin. And, um, oh my gosh, I learned. And so one of the requirements for me was obviously someone that could help us grow the company, but the other one was to, um, uh, be a mentor to me because I I was hungry for knowledge. I understood that I, I was an engineer and I didn't have a business background. And so I wanted to learn from someone. And so um, I learned from, uh, from Jim, not only about how to uh, run a company, but uh, he was willing to mentor me. Um, and um, in 20 14, 20 or 2016 around there, we brought in another CEO. I, I sat on the board in this transition, so I also learned from the board perspective. And uh, the second CEO or the third CEO was his name was Samir Dalakia, and, um, and oh my gosh, I learned from Samir so much too. And so I feel so lucky in that uh, sense. And uh, Samir was the CEO that that took us public.
0: So then, hi, I've already founded a company and took it public, and now I'm here to get my MBA. So so, what was the – and, and I, did you do an executive MBA program or a regular MBA program? It was an executive MBA. I love executive MBA programs because yeah. they're very much of a – you're in the chairs with other people who yeah. have grown, launched – and then everybody has, I, I tend to call it the holes, the things that you never learned because you moved so fast or that you had other people doing, or you suddenly go, I need to know that. And I don't know that. So what was your sort of, you love to grow, it sounds like, what was your growth option that you took when you were at MIT and why MIT? Yeah, so um, so I was, I was
1: thinking about what to do next after Uh, uh We had gone public and I knew I was going to move on. Um, and um, I left when the company was getting acquired. Um, but the way I thought about it was uh, I asked multiple mentors, uh, should I get an MBA or should I go ahead and create a new company? Half of them told me you should go create a new company. Um, it's going to be... Uh, a a missed opportunity if you go get your MBA and uh, uh, while you could be creating uh, something else because it takes two years to do so Um, and the other half told me that I should and and so I was uh, I didn't know how to think about it but one thing that I noticed on the answers it was the half that told me to get an MBA had an MBA. And so it was, and so I'm like, whoa, um, they're telling me to get an MBA for a reason. Obviously they're biased, but they know something that maybe others don't know. And so I went ahead and, and, um, and applied for an MBA. Um, I applied to MIT. Uh, there was something about MIT. It was, I mean, there were, there's great schools for business. um, (laughs) There are
0: many options. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it was, it was something about the engineering background that for me was Mm -hmm. a little bit biased for that. And um, another thing was that I had relationships on the West coast, but I didn't Mm. have many connections on the East coast. And Mm -hmm. so um, making that connection was something important to me. And um, now Having gone through that exercise um, and having gone through through the program, what, what I learned was that, um, or what I got out of this, was that I feel more confident on uh, making decisions. Whereas before, I didn't know if I didn't know something. Now I feel comfortable that, I mean, I already went and got an MBA, I went and... Um, it created a company that went public, there are many, many answers that we don't know. No matter how much we know, we're going to run into uh, things that, uh, that we've never seen before or that our mentors have not seen before. And uh, uh, for me, it was difficult before the NBA to commit to those decisions, um, and now I'm
0: not. And then you sprouted Joy Labs, which has an interesting description. Can you share why you sprouted Joy Labs and what you're attempting to do with it?
1: Yeah. So during the MIT program, I saw... So the average age on the program was like 40-something. And one so of the... So much younger
0: than you. So much younger
1: than me. <laughs> the, yeah. And, and so a lot of these... Uh, Executives are like well established VPs, doctors, lawyers, uh, CEOs. You you have people with a lot of experience. The program entry has a, a one week program where everyone's supposed to create a company. And you should see everyone's excitement, no matter their background, no matter their background, their salaries. Everyone was so excited about creating their own idea. Sometimes the idea was related to their field. Sometimes it, it wasn't, but the excitement was always there. And I realized that many people don't create companies because they already rely on that salary that they have. They already have uh, things that they need to take care of based on that. And so it's sometimes very difficult for them to go ahead and, and uh, pursue their dream. And we thought about creating Joy Labs to focus on these great managers to um, go ahead and pursue their dreams.
0: And then you became the manager to pursue your dreams as well, right? So, so, so what? Can you share anything else that's percolating in Joy Labs? Um, n- no, I think Joy
1: Labs when. We start. We, we spun out a few companies, around four companies. Uh, the fifth one was Memo. And once I started working on this idea, I, I just fell in love. And that was the, I mean, that's every day I wake up trying to um, uh, solve the, the, the problem that Memo was trying to solve. And so for the past few years, I just every day I've been thinking about it and I don't have the, the mental energy to work on anything else, so we decided to just put joy labs in, um, on hold uh, while I focus on on memo full time
0: so memo is still a bit under wraps. What can you share with us, and why are you so excited and driven on the topic?
1: yeah so um, so, so the problem that we're trying to solve is that when when people have a mission. Uh, whatever it is, hopefully that mission is to make the world uh, a little bit better. Is that uh, they need to connect with new people. And this is, and new is the key word, people that they don't know. Uh, because if if they already knew the, the people, then they wouldn't have to uh, network or connect. And so, but but it's very difficult to do it now um, it, because the, the option that they have is to go to social networks. Um, it, it, but social networks have transformed from uh, being social networks to being social media platforms and and their purpose is to entertain people rather than to network and no, so they're to
0: sell advertising and to sell subscriptions they're not really to entertain people sorry i got you get off that soapbox but you know because if you go linkedin is totally to sell their subscription models to um hr placement people and people who are trying to sell their services and I can't tell what the heck lunch clubs trying to sell, um, but you know you've got a few people in there who are trying to create these connected business. Sorry, it's one of my soapbox issues, so I'm appreciative of what you're what you're working on. But it is an interesting question as to the, you know, what is the actual purpose of some of this new connected tissue?
1: Yeah, and so the, in fact, we use the term social network and social media interchangeably. Like we, but we're forgetting about the network aspect. Uh, uh, of these social things, and so, um, and, and so, what? But who get rewarded on these social media platforms are are elite content creators that uh, have like this mass appeal, um, and, uh, and and the reason is yeah, so they can sell ad space to businesses because they're they're the ones um, uh, with the money, and so what everyone else has to do is to connect, to connect with their intended audiences. They go to social networks um, to build their personal brand. But now building a personal brand on these social media platforms is like creating a startup. You need to have resources. You need to have time. You need to have knowledge. And not only, ha- not only that, but you need to have this media personality. This is in addition to the purpose that you already have, that mission that you already have. And so... Um, many of us run startups. And so having another startup on the side is just like, it's impossible. Um, and so many of us choose to stay silent uh, because of just how social media works. Like they, We don't want to um, uh, compete with celebrities or these elite uh, uh, content creators. And so we at Memo, we're trying to, to solve that problem so that um, people can express their uniqueness and connect and network with people that are interesting interested in
0: hearing about them. I'm interested in hearing more when you can talk more <laughs> about this, because it is an interesting question. I mean, um, I do um, repeated studies on the state of the recruitment market as some of the career work we've done. And I've just been so baffled at all of the air that LinkedIn has sucked out of the room where there used to be a lot more competitors in that space. And it's really that the volume of conversation that's in that space around the, look at me, I've just gone to this great conference mode, is, is just taken all of the interactive air out. Um, so it's sort of an interesting question about what what is the good... Uh, fermentation juice, I don't know, the good stuff that actually helps connect the dots together.
1: Yeah, and and not only that, but these social, because they've been like social media platforms, they're all about content, but they're also forgetting about the networking tools. And so what people need to do is take the people that are interacting on these social media platforms and, and take them somewhere else like Discord or Patreon or somewhere where they can actually engage with them uh, because most of the focus is on creating better tools to publish more content that it's uh, for the lead content creators.
0: And the average person's also creating less content, less social media content across all the platforms other than TikTok. I mean, you know, the, the video side, which is again a personality extravaganza. So
1: Yeah, in fact TikTok uh, they they actually label themselves as as, as a media mm-hmm. platform. And and what are every other social or the old social networks doing, they're copying TikTok. We saw that. We see it with YouTube. We see, we see it with Instagram and like everyone's trying to do that because again, they're, they're becoming media platforms too. And they're forgetting about the people that,
0: that need a network. So you, you're sure you're heading the right direction. Um, How many more right directions? You're a young person. How many more directions do you think you want to build into how you build a life out? Do you want to be working on one project at a time? You created Joy Labs as kind of a buffet option. What is kind of your direction that you tell yourself is this journey going forward? Yeah, I I try to
1: do multiple things at once in Joy Labs. And um, I, I felt that... For me, it's just one thing at a time, and right now, I I'm going to continue with memo for the foreseeable future. I don't I don't think I can do anything else. Uh, maybe I'll do something after memo. Um, I probably will, um, but but I'll do one thing at a time.
0: <laughs> Have you sat quiet at all? I mean, it sounds like a little bit of a gap between things, but it sounds like you really are pushed to do the next. Um,
1: I. I think it's purpose. Like I, I found that what makes me feel that I make a difference in the world is creating companies. And so it, it's a, it's not that I see it as as this work or rest and period. It's more that that's what fundamentally makes me happy. I, I, I found purpose in life by doing this and. Um And instead of finding a new purpose, uh, I just continue what has given me purpose for for a long time and um, yeah, and it would being be,
0: at somebody else's large company is not at all in your roadmap
1: um n- n- not the way i not the way. I've seen companies design. There are multiple ways on organizing companies such that you end up feeling this way. Um, there, there was a, a, a uh, an organization that we saw at school called Nimble Organizations, Nimble Leadership, that actually talk about this uh, place. But there's only like three companies that are doing this as well. And uh, unfortunately, they're not in the tech space uh, and the startup technology space so it may change in the future
0: so we've had a great conversation isaac you have a very determined focused and um and insightful way of looking at opportunities which is great what haven't we talked about that you might want to mention um one
1: thing that i mentioned earlier was um how many entrepreneurs don't They'll encounter problems that no one has seen before. What has helped me is to establish values initially for a company. And so our values, um, we think a lot about those and they're compass to make decisions when we can't find an answer on Google or when our mentors have not heard about these things and so we strongly recommend entrepreneurs to think about that um because they'll they'll need them um in many instances
0: thank you for joining us this has been a great conversation um who would you like to reach out to you and how would you like them to reach out
1: um I would want people to reach out to me at memo when it launches um, and uh, for, and they
0: can go to the site now and ask to be on the early user list.
1: Yeah. And they'll be uh, there. I mean, we'll allow signups very soon, hopefully by the end of the year, we're still testing this, but um, yeah, but my primary, my primary method of communication uh, is memo.
0: Excellent. Isaac, thank you for joining us. And I am looking forward to your next, not just your next adventure, but I can see that you've got a nice journey ahead of you of bringing great solutions to the table. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Great.
0: Thanks for listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content, where you can take your own career and use some of the tools and the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of Creative Innovators, as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and and find out where else you can find and combine with creative innovators in 2024.